Here we discuss introspection, being, development, and all the good stuff. I think about this a lot. It's something that's important to my heart. And I just would love to elaborate on it and continuously elaborate on it because it's imperative. It, it's against the the climate of our generation, but all the more so something that needs discussing and introspection and understanding. I feel that it's a lack of understanding that's the root of what we're grappling with. I think there are generations where there are other focuses that will enable them, enable the world to be grander, be better, be more giving, more more expansive of a human being. As I discussed in a previous episode, that I believe that all good is just the willingness to expand themselves on all fronts. And I argue that expanding on yourself at the expense of another is not expansion. It seems like expansion, but check out the episode to see what I mean by that. Now, I believe it's called Good and Evil. Now, back to the discussion at hand, the importance of hierarchies of sacredness. And let's let's move away from the jargon. And what I mean is that there are things that are more sacred, more important. Let's translate sacredness. There are things that speak to more layers of our soul. And I could translate layers of soul. They are depths of being. For example, if somebody experiences a funeral, especially of a loved one, that experience speaks to multiple layers inside. And how do we know that? Because months after that day will be remembered, while the next day and the previous day won't be remembered as such. And since it's etched in memory, it's dominating the current development of being. When they're doing their mundane task, their simple doings of a day, this experience is feeding everything, depending on the exposure but and how deep it went. But the deeper something is, the more it will get to everything. It, it will find its place in everything. It's, it will be how we eat, how we interact, how we see the world, which is very important because that's eventually how they will see you. How you see the world will reflect back on you, maybe not at the moment, but at some point. If you hate, the world will hate you. If you love, the world will love you. That's, that's just the way things are, unfortunately. Or fortunately for 
people deserve to get what they give in a very dark sense. But anyway, so the hierarchy of sacredness is finding things that are more important than other things and recognizing that they're objectively important. For example, we could say that our minds and hearts are the most sacred members of our body, right? But there are arguments to say that hands do a lot and legs do a ton and the back and so many components of our body that serve tremendous purposes. And if even for a moment they fail, our being just goes into turmoil, understandable chaos. So we can't argue, we can't push the agenda and say that our hands are the most important parts of our body because it offers so much. It's the connection to social beings. It's the, it's the giving of themselves. It's the feeding in their mouth. And it's, it's the shaking of hands. And there's just so much that the arms and hands do. And if we spend enough time, we will find it to be so valuable. But those who are intuitive enough, and you need intuition at this point because there's great arguments either way, will understand that the heart and the mind are the most sacred parts of the body. The most. Without controversy. And I use the body because it's very hard to fight a controversial argument when it comes to the reality of the hierarchy in our own bodies. The mind and heart take precedence. Now you might argue the mind over the heart and the heart over the mind, and that is a discussion that is above me and you. But we both agree and we should agree that the heart and the mind are the most important. And if it came to a decision by doctors, they would choose the heart and the mind because that gives life. Now, you may argue that what gives life is not most sacred because that the chaotic state of a decline of health is not the reality of a person. There's more to the person than that. So there's great arguments. Like We can intellectually argue the hands to be the most sacred parts of the body or the legs for that matter. But we are going to, with intuition, importantly intuition, and I discussed the importance of intuition. With intuition, we can recognize that the heart and the mind are the most sacred parts of the body. Now, this reflects on everything, right? Going shopping is the most sacred, or relationships are the most sacred. What is most sacred in your life? And recognizing that the shopping experience can be turned into the most sacred element recognizing the depth of what we put in our bodies and and the experience of the the surplus of the nature nature serving us that's that's a deep experience but very small in compared to the experience of a relationship now we can't argue it but why should we why should we spend our precious time 
arguing for less sacred things to be more sacred. Now, till now, I avoided controversial. Now let's frame out to the reality, to the controversy, to the actual mistakes that we are making. Are some people more sacred than others? I'm throwing out questions. Are some societies more sacred than other societies? Are some books more sacred than other books? Is the academic more sacred than the garbage man? Is the lineage of one family more sacred than another family? I could go on. Where how far how far deep of a wound shall I hit before someone screams back and says just be quiet with your nonsense. But why stop if we admit that our heart is more sacred than our arms? And we admit that a relationship is more sacred than a shopping experience. Then why would we not admit that one person is more sacred than another? Well, the quick response is Nazi Germany. The quick response is the atrocity of that type of thinking. But let me explain. Human beings did evil, not mindsets. The mindset of one person being sacred over another did not cause Nazi Germany. The human being who chose evil caused Nazi Germany. It's like saying that what caused Nazi Germany was people thinking because Nazi Germany had to think in order to do what they did. Now, if they chose not to think, then none of Nazi Germany would have happened. So we should propositionalize the end of thought because thought brought Nazi Germany. And I'll bring more examples. Nazi Germany um, was very, very um, connected to propaganda and to emblems and stationary and very creative methods of unifying an idea, a party. So anytime we do something like that, anytime we have flags and obsess over those flags and, and great, create great color and definition to a, a slogan, to a to an image. We are we are going on the path of Nazi Germany. Another example, Nazi Germany was very, and I find this in the Jewish community to be a strong critique of Nazi Germany and reality, although deeply distant from the the evil that was actually chosen by human beings. Nazi Germany, what do they do? They 
had a high level of etiquette. They had strong manners. So anybody who has strong manners is following a path of Nazi Germany. Anybody who pays close attention to the forks being set at the table or the proper ways of dining and dress are starting the deep evil of Nazi Germany. How ludicrous of an argument. Anybody who showers is like Nazi Germany because Nazi Germany definitely showered or bathed. Nazi Germany smiled at each other. So smiling leads to Nazi Germany. You see where I go with this. At some point or another, we have to isolate and say there are certain things that are actually the evil and some are are not. The fact that they found sacredness in some human beings over others did not cause Nazi Germany. It's closer to the center of what evolved to be evil. But emblems and unifying parties also was close to the center, and that did not cause it. We must admit that that wasn't the cause, but rather human beings, individuals, collectives that chose evil over good. They had a choice to make. Shall I do evil or shall I do good? It wasn't the fact that they found sacredness in one component, one party, one people. It was the fact that they chose to eradicate the shopping experience, the arms. They said, the heart is most sacred. Now let's shoot the arm. A ludicrous argument that is is underlining a true evil state of being. How can, if you saw a person that said, my heart is sacred, so I'm going to cut off the other limbs what a what a a preposterous thing to do you would you would want to stay away and surely it would be understandable for you to never interact with such such a mindset because that is evil now they did that on a collective scale the aryan is most sacred and the jew is least sacred Because our bowel movements are least sacred of our our bodies, do we say that we shall not go to the bathroom? We shall not tend to those least sacred things? What a crazy argument. Even if you find the Jew to be the least sacred, you still don't cut them off. That's the choice of evil. It's not that argument of sacred and not sacred. Now, we can have an intellectual discussion on the objective sacredness of the Aryan um, descent versus other lineages. And I, I believe that they are not more sacred. And I think too much controversy is displaying my own beliefs on what is more sacred than others when it comes to people because that's a deeply personal experience and decision. But we're making them anyway. We have reverence for certain people. We're, we're recognizing sacredness in certain people. It's amazing. It's baffling to see the 
the contradictions in public discourse. Just clear contradictions. I'll give an example, and this is extremely controversial, but it's just to prove a point. Someone was saying on a podcast how they were talking about the ugliness of high society in the United States and specifically certain groups and they had yachts and young girls under age 16 or 17 and they said it's such a sick thing so terrible now just to explain the logic of the fact that it's not sick if you were 16 and you dated a 16 year old that wouldn't be sick that would be just natural love now if you were 17 and you dated a 16 year old that would not be sick. That would be natural love. If you were 18 and you dated a 16-year-old, still some societies would agree that that's just crazy to start putting lines so strongly. But when you're 28, when you're 35, when you're 64, and you enjoy the company of a 16-year-old girl, all of a sudden that becomes sick. As if... Somehow that's not the same person that only a couple decades before dated his 16-year-old himself. So to say something like that, and that's this is standard in public discourse, no one has the audacity to say that that's completely natural. The argument is that it's still wrong because there's a manipulation element and people should date their own age and so on. There's other argu There's great arguments. But in fact, to protect the reality on the ground, it does not help us by denying the reality. If anything, say it's not sick, but let's have a discussion about manipulation and sexual relationships. Let's have that discussion, and it's a great discussion. But to, to protect it, we're not protecting anything. We're not making people better by denying reality. So you got the hierarchy of sacredness and it, and it frames to every component of life. And why not just admit, why not just admit that there are things that are more sacred? There are ideas that are more sacred. Now, who's to decide the sacredness? And this is where it gets fun. Are it the people that we assume to be the sacred ones who tell us what is sacred? Isn't sacredness an experience of in-depth? When you meet someone and you recognize that they flow well through many components of yourself, that is called sacred. Now, if somebody screams on the top of their lungs saying, no, these people are more sacred than other people, this person is is holy and deeply developed and transformative. And then you meet them and you don't feel that experience. Then it's not sacred for you. Sacredness is a personal experience. Now, if an entire group, an entire society says, this person is more sacred than another person, or this idea is more sacred than another idea. For example, our current society says, caring about nature and climate and the reality of the world around us and our effect on it 
and its effect on us is a sacred idea, we may find it to be sacred or we may find it to not be sacred. We should take extra care to see maybe there's something there. Maybe that is a truly sacred experience. And maybe that will teach us deep things about who we are. And maybe it's time to care about the reality of of the world we live in. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's maybe it's it's a mediocre level of experience of sacredness. Sorry. So we may find it to be sacred, we may find it not to be sacred, and that's a prerogative of each and and every individual. Again, this is not contra- this is controversial, but it should not be. It should be flowing through our veins. We should know what's important and what's not, what matters, what changes us, what speaks to more levels of our being, what stamps our heart more than other things. I'll give you an example. I live in uh, the land of Israel and the state of Israel, the the Middle East, and in this region, the world finds sacredness. Now, why do I say that? Because anything that happens here matters to millions and billions of people for some reason. They find sacredness with this land. They find something important with it. So therefore, I might question, is this land more sacred than other lands? And lands can be more sacred. We can't go to New York City and say, there is something here. There's some energy here. There's some innovative energy in New York City, in the depths of New York City, that is not in in, in Kansas or Russia or any other place that we visited. And I'll prove it to you. Why do tourists go to one place over another? Why do tourists flock New York City and not some rural town in America? They find something to be sacred there. Maybe it's the experience or maybe there's something sacred about it. They see an energy. They want to be a part of it. Lands can be more sacred than other lands. So if the collective finds a sacredness with the land of Israel, then let's let's study it for our own personal experience and see how we experience that sacredness. Does that land speak more to us? And again, these are all ideas of intuition. But they're not ideas of intuition. If you walk into one land and you find deep success in your heart, your inner dialogue is just transformed and your experiences on the ground and your relationships. And then you go to another land and it's just not the same. Now, you could find the psychological reason. There's there's associations in one land over another. There's there's the way you perceive things. It's maybe even the color of the street signs that are affecting you. But whatever the reason may be, it's still a more sacred experience for you. You could find the reasons why the Bible is, for and in my subjective view, a more sacred document than, than other important literature texts. 
it may be that every time I walk back to the Bible, I see something different and I see myself different in it. And it, and it, it creates a dialogue of never ending beauty. And if I open a random manuscript or even a important manuscript, I may not be able to do that. And even if I say, okay, everything is equally sacred. So let me take an important literature text. Let me take a Shakespeare and give it my all and say how, believe that it's sacred, believe that it's, it's a divine idea. And then keep, keep going back to it and trying to bring it out. What I'm doing is manipulating the sacred um, radar because I'm, I'm pushing an agenda to find sacredness in something. It's similar to saying, let's find sacredness with the arm over the heart. Let's push it. Why? Why allow that natural experience to be? Now, you may say that I may be in deceptive mode by saying the Bible because of my upbringing, because of the, the theological arguments, the historical um, impressions, and so on. And that, that's all true. And that's all biased, but we're all biased. That still doesn't that still doesn't stop the sacredness of my experience. Now, you may argue that there's no deception. Then, then there's you could you could find sacredness in the wrong things. Who's to say that maybe one day you'll wake up and find sacredness in terrible ideas or terrible people? Well, that's true, but it's not the objectives that are the problem. It's not the fact that I found sacredness in them. It's the fact that. I'm not being honest about how they affect me and how much light they bring to my life. If I find sacredness with the the mafia class, and this is standard, people find sacredness and some some level of sacredness. We we have an, a, a weird adornment to to murderers and and those types of people and. And then I ask, well, what what is the mafia teaching me? So I might say the the union, the the collective, the loyalty, and so on and so forth. And then and then I find out about these horrific murders and these self obsessed money making agendas. And that doesn't speak to the goodness of being and the development of self. So when I weigh it naturally, whatever I learn from the mafia class doesn't outweigh the murderous acts that they've done for the sake of loyalty. So if I'm honest with myself, I would, I would understand that that's not a sacred notion of being, but rather um, a terrible way to emulate and to honor and to respect. So, in conclusion, become aware of the sacredness. Become aware of the hierarchy. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.